Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur. You're joined by the courtside boys Come themselves. On. Come it's on. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Benny, you know what's funny about that? What's People up? have been asking me. They're like, how'd you get those tickets? I'm like, hey, very strangely and mysteriously, the record industry seems to like me again. I wonder what happened. You know, where did those seats go the last six years? I don't know. And he's, it's so transparent, but whatever. I'll, I'll take the fallout. It was fun. I enjoyed seeing that game with you last night. We went to uh, the Nets versus the Bulls at Barclays Center. See the some version of the new look Nets, which we'll definitely get into. But crowd was electric. No, the crowd loves these nets they love having spencer back yeah. uh they love dorian finney smith um they you know they just love everybody joe harris got absolutely electric right in front of us oh. three rows from back from a joe harris scorching performance it's it's the perfect joe performance you want to see he played under 20 minutes <laughs> went six of nine from the floor and six of nine from three that's kind of what you want him to do it was it was the perfect setup perfect yeah. setup how are you doing, Danny? Good day? Feeling good? Warm feeling out? good. Feeling great. You know what's funny? Hmm. We had better seats than Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. They were right over our left shoulder last night. Is that right? So disrespectful to them. Oh, come on, boys. <laughs> come on. Yeah, I couldn't help but wonder. I'm looking around. I'm like, like it's got to be people's like moms, girlfriends, sisters, brothers, you know, all this kind of shit down here. Like, yeah, I bet if, or it's just a bunch of hedge fund owners we got to sit with for a night. I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> very well dressed hedge fund owners. Yeah. Am I yeah. Bad. I couldn't help but notice the difference in clothing from the 200s to floor oh. level little, you know, but I get it. I even felt a little <laughs> self-conscious myself because I'm like, wait, up in the 200s, I know. I could wear, you know, fucking sweats. I could have crumbs on me. I could look like shit. It's no cameras are ever going to be around. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, whoa. So these beautiful people, yeah. cameras. I'm like, shit. Like, this is why people get all decked out to go to basketball games. You know, was very self-conscious about the popcorn. I'm like, I don't want to be like caught on camera, you know, just like plowing down some popcorn. Like I'm like natural TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no Kanish's dish dipped in ketchup last night no, ah yeah no, no oh man benny but you you know what segment is a knish dipped in ketchup every single time i'm not sure it's this day music ah. i don't know if that was a compliment or not but we're rolling <laughs> with it what do you got i decided to keep it positive today because i love tom petty you know i love tom mm. petty one of the reasons beyond his music that I love Tom Petty is how he's always just so cool or was so cool and always said the right thing. And, uh, in 2017, he was honored as person of the year at the music cares gala. And he was quoted as saying 20 years ago, I'd have been way too cynical to do this, but I'm 66 now. And I feel you Tom <laughs> Petty. How cool. So, you know, they raised a lot of money and listen to this set list of people who showed up Randy Newman doing refugee. I love uh, L. King doing American Girl, Taj Mahal, Nora Jones doing You Don't Know How It Feels, Foo Fighters, Cage the Elephant, Mary Jane's Last Dance, Jackson Brown did The Waiting. Uh, we got Lucinda Williams, Jacob Dylan, Don Henley, Stevie Nicks. Everybody showed up. And the one big thing that I take from this was the quote that Tom Petty wrote. He paid tribute to the heartbreakers. You know, Tom Petty doesn't have to do that. But I think he recognized and he said, I may be in one of the best two or three rock and roll bands there is. And then went and gave a brief history of rock and roll. So shout out to Tom Petty for using one of his final big moments to give love to his band. Yeah. Who fucking smokes? Yeah. You know, like the heartbreakers maybe don't get enough love. And, uh, you know, you try you try making classic songs like that without those guitar parts, without those drum parts. That's what what shapes these things up and makes them makes them classics, you know. Without without that crew, maybe he's just another another guy with great songs. So I'm I was so stoked that Petty recognized this, and I'm trying to uh, give some love to Tom Petty today yeah. instead of instead of doing something nasty, you know. I, I had the option of John Mayer describing his ex girlfriend Jessica Simpson as sexual napalm, but <laughs> oh yeah, pass hard pass. 
Keep it classy today. Keep it classy. You know what we need with the Heartbreakers? We need them to do like kind of what the Grateful Dead did with like John Mayer and like, you know, like tour uh, with like somebody like contemporary. Like, like imagine this. All right. Uh-huh. Try, try, try the sound for size, if you uh-huh. will. Uh-huh. Harry Styles and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> but covering Tom Petty songs. I don't know. It could be good. Listen. You don't have to let me sit on this. Harry Styles I don't know. and the Heartbreakers. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. You know no. I like Harry Styles. It's not about him. Scratch this. Scratch this. You know who be perfect? Who? Miley Cyrus and the Heartbreakers. Get okay. it done. Get okay. it done. Okay. I would like one show, just like this one. Bring out the Heartbreakers. Bring out different singers. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to see a tour like that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for this day? On this day in 1942, the Chattanooga Choo Choo by Glenn Miller and his orchestra became the first recording to be awarded a gold record. It was actually huh. just a master copy of the disc sprayed in a gold lacquer by RCA as a publicity stunt. The actual award recognized today as a gold record wouldn't be initiated for another 16 years when the Recording Industry Association of America borrowed the idea and trademarked the gold record. The first uh, gold single was awarded to Perry Como in 1958 for Catch a Falling Star. And the first gold album was given to uh, Gordon McRae for the soundtrack of Oklahoma. So how about that? So RCA invented the gold record. Yeah. Wow, that makes a, a lot of sense stunt. at a publicity stunt. And I think it still kind of stands that way. You know, it's one of the strange things about gold records. No one just gives them to you. Hmm. Like, like when you hit that thing of album sales, someone at the label, someone at something or yourself has to buy them. And normally, like, you know, in the way it works is like, I guess the record label would be happy the band's doing it. They're the ones who fund it and distribute it to the band, but not necessarily. So it's it's kind of a weird underbelly of uh, of the music industry, like the way they like give out silver and gold records. It's a little strange. Yeah. And the tiers always change and they should change because of album sales and digital and countries and this and that sort of a weird arbitrary thing. Yeah. It's nice to have one. Yeah, yeah. Have how so like when when that happens cuz like they always come in like the nice decorated like Very nice. it's like a photo and it's like all like like a a, a big thing. A little velvet. It's yeah. usually some velvet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah man. But uh anyway, we have uh a lot to get to today, a lot on the basketball front. Bring it um, so let's just get to uh, our first music story of the day, shall we? Sure. The Michael Jackson estate is trying to make some moves. You know, we're, we're, today is all about wheeling and dealing. A lot of wheeling and dealing in the NBA. And some more music, wheeling and dealing on the music front in the Michael Jackson estate. Uh, his estate is looking to sell half of its interest in the legendary singer's catalog in a deal that multiple sources are reporting will be in the $800 million to $900 million range for half the catalog. Absolutely bananas. Half. While details are, under, are, are unclear, sources say that Sony and a pipe uh, possible financial partner are negotiating to acquire 50% of the estate's interest in Jackson's publishing uh, record music revenues, the MJ, the musical Broadway show and the upcoming biopic Michael. So the biopic that we talked about a couple weeks ago, the Michael Jackson estate has some money on the line there. So it's going to be very interesting to see what version of that we get and possible more assets. This is just the latest number in an industry of music rights. that's absolutely booming right now. But when I first brought up the story, I was like, oh, 800 to 900 million for the whole catalog. That's just for half the Michael Jackson catalog. Crazy. I mean, first, the, the, the thing that sticks out to me about this is like how the aggregation of sports and the way we look at things has crip. It, it's gotten into every part of life. Yeah. It's how we deal with politics now. It's how we deal with music. And we need we need numbers. We need charts. We need winners and losers. Who's the best? Who got the most? And I guarantee you the next person to go is going to want $1 million more than what Michael Jackson got. There's going to be some weird, you know, cock swinging contest in the industry to like see who gets the most. So I think it's pretty funny as 
we've covered in the last two years on this show. These numbers keep going like down, up, yeah. this person, this person. And to think that these motherfuckers aren't looking at each other and wanting more than the other guy and putting this competition into it, it's definitely happening. Yeah. So I think now we should just really lean into it. Let's start yeah. making graphics, man. Let's start <laughs> ranking the top tens. Let's let's do it the way sports does it to make it to make it fun. And Michael Jackson, as we would imagine, is now the the goat of uh, publishing <laughs> resales. So good for him. He's a goat again. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's the same as we've talked about in this show a lot. Like all the money right now is in licensing masters, and when these companies are coming to not the artist, not the person who created it, but the people handling an estate and throwing those numbers around. And they're basically like, we'll give you this amount of money and all that work you were having to do on this shit, you don't have to do on this shit anymore. You don't have to make any more decisions of where it's going. You don't have to sit in a boardroom and be like, oh, this commercial might work. This commercial couldn't. This is where we should make our money. And I think people just kind of want to wash their hands of it a little. Um, but I always get back to the same thing. And if any young artists or people are listening, own your masters. This is like the best thing you can do for yourself moving forward in the music industry, especially in the digital age. Recording is easier than it's ever been. Uh, you know, like like you can find ways to to at least record your own music and 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 uh, not necessarily release it yourself but record it yourself and find that way. And, and the long-term effects of that could be seriously huge. Um, mm. And I really think the more and more people do that, the less and less will give power to the people who, sh who don't deserve it. And uh, I'd like to see more of it. And this is another case. Like you're, you're watching uh, people who didn't write the songs and people who didn't perform the songs make fucking $800 million off of it. So not that cool. <laughs> a 1.6 to almost two billion dollar catalog that's crazy like i mean really like like i know a family's estate is yeah. like you know supposed to but but doesn't quincy jones deserve a cut of this mm. you know like people who actually like like yeah. throw the fucking uh bass player who played on thriller a couple million yeah. will you because <laughs> you know that's what everyone's dancing to not yeah. not your fucking you know not your portfolio yeah I'm curious, and and it's funny that that you brought up like the owning your masters thing and all that stuff. When people are making a record, and obviously because there's a budget for everything, how much of the budget that's set aside to put a record goes to like studio time, and how much is like the print and like advertising and and getting there? Because in music, in in, in movies rather, like P P and A is like half of like like say your movie costs one million dollars to make you need to at least put like another million into like print and like advertising how, how does that work for music well it's interesting because i mean it's like the way labels present it when stuff like this is happening is like oh here's free money <laughs> you know what i mean like how much you need to record your record two hundred thousand. cool we'll all rent you cars We'll rent you apartments you know what don't even write at home <laughs> go right in the studio where it costs five thousand dollars a day you know, and they tell you this and guess who's getting 15% of the cut, regardless of what comes back. They are your management, yeah. um, your, you know, like, yeah. like things like that. Of course they want you to take the big chunk <laughs> because they just get a big chunk of the big chunk yeah. and you're the one paying it off for the rest of your life. So this is where like people just got to be really clear about what they're doing. Like if you're so certain you're going to sell that many records, sure. Take the cushy approach, do the thing you got to do. But I mean, really, people got to be mindful of this. It's like, you know, they they present it like like it's free money. It's not fucking free money. And it's buried a lot of people. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting to see. I've, uh, you know, as I've talked about, been taking these movie producing classes and they're always like music publishing. It's free money for your budget. I'm like, there's no such thing as free money. <laughs> right, right. Like, but also we see like I told you to go watch Pump Up the Volume the other yeah. day, right? Why couldn't yeah. we find it? Because of the because they couldn't yeah. fucking secure the rights to the music, like oh. you know, there's all sorts of problems with this yeah. stuff. Yeah, so own own the soundtrack, and then you you know just keep as much equity in things as you can. And yeah, like that's it. Ideas are valuable. Well, you, you want to talk about value and market? 
Benny, I the, do. M- the NBA I trade do. deadline came and went on oh, it Thursday. Did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it oh. just happened. Oh. Uh, that's why a lot of new faces in, in new places. But, uh, right. uh, okay, so a lot, a, a lot went down, but let's start in Brooklyn, and let's kind of lay out the timeline here first. So, you know, the... Uh, Kevin Durant has been out injured. Kyrie has kind of been holding it down for the Brooklyn Nets. Last time we spoke on the tune-up, that's what was happening. Yes. So, but on February 5th, Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris went to Dallas. Uh, the Nets got back Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick, a 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick. Uh, all that coming back. Um, as you know, the Kyrie trade request was in, um, it was kind of speculative where he was going to go. Dallas came in as an option. I think not many people thought was going to happen. You know, people thought he was going to reteam with LeBron. So, uh, first off Kyrie out of town, nobody's probably happier than you. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. And, and I, I think we could roll the tape on this podcast I didn't fall for it in the last few weeks. You know, I, I almost called it. I'm like, okay, KD's out. Of course, Kyrie's, you know, put this one thing behind him. He's going to play great for three weeks. And he thinks like three week run here earned him another long-term contract with the Nets. Like he was yeah. sure of it. And apparently he wanted to stay with the Nets. His agent said it, his mother-in-law. <laughs> and, you know, uh, so the fact that the Nets are, uh, uh, like a garbage organization about two hours after he gets traded is fairly comical when he made it pretty clear he wanted to stay. And mm-hmm. Katie also signed long-term like, come on guys, you're full of shit. Like, it's not about that. And just be honest. This is the way I want to deal with this thing. Yeah. Let's talk about what was, what is, mm-hmm. and what and could what be. be. Okay. <laughs> We're going to start with what was like, you know, the one thing I got to push back on is like, I'm hearing a lot from Nets fans about this jumpstart Kenny Atkinson Nets team we had. D'Lo, the Dinwiddie Reclamation Project, the Joe Harris Reclamation Project, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. Great. Fun team. You know, I enjoyed it myself. But the one thing I will say, and consistently said this whole time, is there is not a GM in the league who gets that call from Kevin Durant and doesn't do this. You had to. And you had to try and you had to take a swing. And listen, the big three played 16 fucking games together. 16. <laughs> they look great in those 16. When Katie and Kyrie were on the floor together, they look great. They played 74 games together. We never saw it. We consistently got these little tastes of what it could be. Kind of wet our palates. There would be a couple weeks where you're like, oh, shit. Like, if the Nets actually put this together, this is a team. This is the team. And then you have the toenail against the Bucks, And then you have one guy who decides to sit out an entire season when you put that team together. You couldn't really foresee this shit. Like, are we really going to blame Nets management on a fucking global pandemic and the fact that you have one nut job, one in the league who completely held you hostage for a season? It also makes James Harden seem a little smarter, right? Where he was like, oh, shit, get me out of here as quick as possible. You know what I mean? I don't appreciate James Harden fatting his way out of town. <laughs> but, you know, like he knew something about Kyrie and Katie's never taken a stand on the fucking guy. He's lukewarm. He's not a leader in that way. He doesn't hold people to task. He never has. And that's why he's in another good situation now where he doesn't have to be that guy. He wasn't that guy in Golden State either. And that. I think we're learning is probably the most comfortable place for Kevin Durant because he's not a leader. I've been watching the guy for a few years. He's a basketball player in its truest form. That guy lives between the lines, doesn't really want anything to do with the outside stuff, doesn't say much. And I appreciate that. That's fine. But he can't be in that role. So as much as this has been a painful project over the last few years, uh, I don't blame the organization for everything, you know, like there were so many variables and so many times where we saw like, like, tell me if we go into the next season and there's no COVID, I mean, the Nets are the clear favorites 
to be the NBA champions last season. Mm-hmm. Clear. Yeah. I don't think anyone stood in their path. And it's just one of these things. And so I'm not going to kill the Nets for that. Now, what is, okay? Kyrie behaved for three weeks and wanted a long-term extension. Big surprise. The one thing that's interesting about it is the Nets seem to clearly make the trade to help maybe keep Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. You know, when you see them actually bringing pieces back instead of draft capital, you assumed, oh, okay, they're trying to help KD get through this year. Um, but, you know, some billionaire bought the Suns and and put this thing on the table. But, you know, another part of this, too, is that there is no incentive for Brooklyn to tank. With all the Houston picks and swaps, uh, it's quite the opposite incentive as far as your future goes. You're better off being a middling play-in team, which maybe they are now. Maybe they're a six seed, seven seed, whatever. We'll talk about that. There is no incentive to either keep KD or to tank. So Brooklyn, you know, did what they could and brought back what I think are four really strong rotational players, one of which is a borderline all-star who apparently there was an offer from Mikhail Bridges for first four first round picks from Mikhail Bridges was floated. <laughs> so the fact that Brooklyn got him along with four first round picks, not a bad fucking haul for someone. I think they all had to assume was going to demand another trade in the off season. Right? Yeah. So I give the nets a pretty good score on this. The fact that we went to a game last night and without even seeing, uh, you know, the new Suns pieces on the court without seeing Nick Claxton, it was immediately, uh, you know, a ragtag group with a lot of switchable wings. Everyone's talking about this glut of wing depth, but they fucking needed it last night when we saw it. I mean, I think uh, with those Patty Mills minutes, we could have used the point guard <laughs> at some point, you know, that looks a little like Kyrie Irving, I'm afraid. Uh, so, so that's the thing, man. I mean, it was so close to being what it could be. And I, I don't see any team that that would have done it another way. And then Kyrie kind of held him hostage. And there's just all these bad situations. Maybe the the worst thing that they did was, was acquiescing to Kyrie last season. But this is where we don't know what happened behind closed doors. I mean, if KD demanded a trade last offseason, there's a good chance that he was pushing them during the season to let Kyrie back. You know, he was sitting there alone, hard and left. And uh, you know, Durant's older with the injuries. I remember when they were winning some games last season, Durant was playing like 38 to 40 minutes a night, you know, and, and that was completely untenable for a guy like that. So, you know, that that's what happened there. Now, what can be right? Mm-hmm. The Nets are now fairly close to where they started. You know, I think I maybe... Bridges and Claxton might be stronger pieces. Yeah. With the exception of Jared Allen, you know, like, Mm. you know, very strong pieces that they have to work towards. They have a lot of flexibility. They have rotation players on good contracts that are very movable. They have draft capital. So they're back in the game. And the one thing I'm excited about is that Sean Marks and the crew have a really strong history of drafting. Claxton's a middle rounder. Cam Thomas is a late first rounder. Uh, you know, Dinwiddie and Harris and Watanabe and guys like this were all people who were sort of discarded, didn't know what to do with other teams, and they developed them in, into something more real. So, you know, I'm excited to see what the Nets can do, but I think uh, you have to accept reality in the fact that, you know, there's Boston, there's Milwaukee, there's Philly, and we're not in that tier anymore. And I think the closest we can hope for is kind of middling around that maybe, you know, Knicks, Heat, Cavs tier. But even those teams, I think, are a little stronger. So so the Nets for this season, it is what it is. Like, let's let's see some growth. Let's see some good work. Maybe we'll get a playing game. Maybe we'll get a, you know, a play a playoff series against a very good team. Something like, like you know, it might happen. But I think all Nets fans have to immediately lower their immediate expectations. Um, yeah. So that's it from the Nets side. So the deal that you know we we talked about there is the Kevin Durant to the Suns and the particulars of this. This was an absolutely wild situation. One o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Right. 
the ESPN notification goes off at three in the morning. Most right. people are asleep when Kevin Durant got shipped off to the uh, the Phoenix Suns. This deal, Kevin Durant, TJ Warren going to Phoenix. And as we mentioned, the Nets got back Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who the uh, ended up coming back for draft picks right. uh, from the Bucks, uh, un- and an unprotected 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029, and a 2028 pick swap. So, yeah, but the 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 Kyrie Irving of it all, and I want to at like get your temperature on this even more so than we already have here. The, I don't understand. And, you know, trying to understand a irrational person in, in any context isn't exactly like good content, but the idea of behaving for a little bit and wanting to a a organization to lock you in for that long so that you can get the money I don't want to be the guy that sits there and says that that's generational and like, but that, that comes down to some sort of development thing where it's like, Oh, I'm good right now. Why is that not, 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 not good enough. And it's like, right. I think that, you know, when, when Kyrie was like brought up, I think, you know, obviously we've talked about the trauma that he's had, but he, he, he does, he, he does good things. Like so, his he 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 has a a moral compass. I don't think he's like as, as spoiled as people want to portray him as sometimes. But the some of the stuff he's pulled, I think, and I was thinking about this last night when we were at, at the game, is the separation between what is talked about online with the NBA and how it's covered and that entire circus. And what actually exists between the lines and on those benches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if you concentrate on what's happening on be, between the lines and like in your own locker room, that's reality. It's when you start diving into the Twitter mentions and the Instagram stuff right, right. and the entire circus that goes around, it, which I think is the reason how this whole Kyrie thing went sideways. And we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how the Kyrie stuff went wrong. It's that stuff that I think infiltrated the locker room and a guy like Joe Sias in there as the owner of the team. It's like, what the heck is happening here? No, this guy's just so online. that He can't even get out of his own way. Mm, so online. He can't be. I mean, listen, I, you know, just out of sheer morbid curiosity, I did something I had never done before, which is look at Kyrie Irving's Instagram the other day. Yeah. And it took me about four seconds to just go, oh, this guy's just living with a fucking God complex. It is. That's, you know what that's I mean? all anybody does it's on this Instagram. insane yeah. uh, concept of self-importance, yeah. intelligence. You know what I mean? Like I've built this community. I'm this. They're like these weird little mini cult leaders, the, the way they view themselves. Yeah. And it's completely insane. And you're right. The second Kyrie Irving's in the locker room and on the floor, his teammates seem to love him. Yeah. He seems to be an easy guy to be around. And he's a fucking goddamn basketball savant. I watched the Clippers Mavs. I watched his first game rooting for the Clippers. <laughs> and within five minutes, I'm like, fuck, he's so yeah. good. Why? Yeah. You know, he's been on this team for four minutes. He's running the show. He's dapping people up. He looks so comfortable in the offense. I'm like, fuck, he's so good. But this is the thing with Kyrie. Yeah. He's just going to wet your palate. He's going to make you believe and he's going to do the same shit. Yeah. He's going to do something soon. You know what I mean? And and that's where it's just like, that's what you're dealing with now. And I think, uh, I mean, the Mavs can't be totally naive to that. You know, they think they think like, you know, uh, title fixes it all and nobody cares. And that might be true or a desperate attempt to try to keep Luca in the building. I don't know what's going on there, but, you know, the deal with this guy and a lot of these people, you know, is to me, you know, let's look at their lives sometimes. Kyrie Irving's been an absolute superstar since he was a little kid. Yeah. You know, he, he was the biggest prospect going to Duke. He barely played. He's a number one pick. He was rookie of the year. Ever since he was a child, an actual child, he's been given a platform and a sense of responsibility that maybe he should have never had. And we see it in music and a lot of things where people uh, get way beyond a sense of themselves. And, and the way 
he presents himself to the world as opposed to the way he lives his life is completely against each other. And I wish someone with a the modicum of intelligence like him could see it. But I don't think at this point you can wait for it. All you're waiting for now is Kyrie to fuck up another situation. To me, the worst thing that can happen for the Mavs right now is Kyrie plays great the next three months. (laughs) He's going to play great. He's going to demand a four-year, $200 million deal. He's going to get it. What's going to happen? You know what I, I don't mean? Know about like, that. what's going to happen? I mean, they maybe give him three, they give him four, yeah. something. But, like, you know, how many times do we have to watch the other shoe drop to know the other shoe is going to drop? Yeah. And that's the way I feel about Kyrie. You know, I wish I never heard the guy speak and I wish he never had social yeah. media and I'd fucking love him to death. Yeah. See, and, and, and it's funny that, that you bring up him, Dallas, and then giving him an extension. The GM, Dallas, former Nike guy, Nico Harrison, and Nike also recently dropped Kyrie. So, but he, he's there because of like the Luca connection and everything. And I don't think that there's any mistake in the front office, in the locker room, that it's, it's Luca's team. So, any time that Kyrie has had to defer, I think it's when he's played his great basketball. So I think that that for the next couple months is going to work out. And he doesn't want to stay in Dallas. We all know where he wants to go. He wants to be with LeBron or at least with the Lakers. So, and they're desperate enough. I mean, we saw some of the moves and we'll talk about it in a little bit that he, I think Rob Palenka would give him that four year, $200 million if, if it can work within their cap. So, oh yeah, but yeah. Let's get to the Kevin Durant of it all. We laid out the deal just a little bit ago. Um, You know, they get back Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, good pieces. But I was so, I, you know, the, the entire vibe surrounding the situation there was like, oh, they're going to keep him there. And like Kevin Durant's not going to be traded and everything like that. Which I thought was going to happen. I, I I honestly very nearly happened. I was like, Katie's going to play out the season. But man, the timeline in Phoenix is so in- interesting. So Matt Ishba, uh, mortgage lender, takes over for Robert Sarver as the owner and governor and operator of the Phoenix Suns. That press conference happens at noon. By 1 a.m. Eastern time, Trades are coming he back. makes the big deal. So yeah. this guy, this was, I think, a big, not like a swing and dick kind of move, but he was like, hey, I'm here. I've arrived. I'm a walk on that played at Michigan State. You know, Robert Sarver was kicking his feet around, trying to get a guy that wants to be here. I'm going to make it happen. Uh, James Jones, GM there, is a guy that likes to make moves. And yeah. at the moment he got the green light, um, I do think that in this deal, I think Sean Marks could have gotten DeAndre Ayton. I think that they could have really gotten a, a superstar, but I could also see his hesitancy there. I've got Nick Claxton. I, I got a guy that I think could yeah. be a, a all-star. And no more parody. No more right. parody. Ayton's a weirdo. Yeah. Take the easy guy. <laughs> Take Bridges. Easy. Yeah. Easy yeah. pick for me. Easy pick for me. I think this is an obvious case of like, you know, we like to think just because they're usually white dudes in suits that they're not littered with the same ego as athletes. They might be worse. Mm. I mean, these are creators of their own destiny. These people do think they're God. So like the idea that this guy comes in and he goes, okay, here's my press conference. What are we getting tonight? John Collins? No, 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 no. Wasn't Kevin Durant on the table last (laughs) summer? Go do that. Yeah. And immediately, I mean, not only he comes in, he took a $40 million luxury tax hit to do this Mm -hmm. right off the bat. And, you know, um, but $40 million to billionaires is fucking buckus. They don't care. (laughs) It's dinner money, you know? So I I think that uh, we're definitely seeing that, what does Simmons call it? Like that new GM syndrome where they just have to make a, I think it's real in this case. You know, Mm. you do your press conference, you know, this guy is there, like go get him. But that being said, uh, how often in NBA history has this generational of a talent been traded? And more often than not, when they are, it really moves the needle. And I'd like to sit here and say, oh, that's dangerous for the Suns. It is dangerous for the Suns, okay? They took on an old guy with a huge contract to mix with another old guy with a huge contract to mix with a young guy with a huge contract. Like, you know, if they don't win a title in three years... They're in rough fucking shape, but 
we can now safely sit here and say the Suns are title contenders, can we not? 100%. We could not have said that 48 hours ago. And that's why you make this deal. You got Kevin Durant. You have these pieces together. Fuck the depth. Fuck the money. For two, three years, you give it a shot. And when you see the Western Conference as it stands, you're like, hey, why not? You know? Um, And I think that's what it had to do with that. And and this time, I don't think it came from KD. Uh, You know, it seemed to clearly come from, you know, Sun's new management to pull Mm -hmm. this deal off. Uh, Luckily, Marks and the crew were smart enough to, to say bridges are bust. You're not giving us this guy. We're not doing it. And they finally found themselves in a position of leverage. Um, so that's what happens. And, you know, I can't blame the Suns. And as a basketball fan, you know, this is a great team for KD to be on. I mean, this is a team that already kind of lives and by lives and dies by two point shots. They're one of the only like non-perimeter team who actually runs offense for this stuff you can literally slip Kevin Durant into like any part of this offense and he's right there and it's perfect. And the idea of Kevin Durant and Booker, oh man, that's tasty. That's two of the finest scores I've seen. Booker fashions himself as some sort of like mini Kobe. He's got a little bit of that game. So, I mean, right off the bat, it's, it's a really fun, interesting team. And you have Chris Paul, her or not, who just doesn't mind being the dick. (laughs) <laughs> who doesn't mind being the guy who's getting it organized, getting it together. And Katie doesn't have to do any of that. You know what I mean? So it really is a great fit. And I think it's a, it's a good swing they had to take. So a couple things there. When I, I think it's very hard for teams in, in the same season where they make a big trade like this to go on and then make the playoff run. I think you do like there is something to be said, like this isn't 2K, like you do need that time to like gel and, and build the chemistry. I mean, granted, with a, a lot of these guys, Kevin Durant has the Olympic and Team USA basketball uh, experience. So they have played together and stuff like that. But the thing that no one's talking about about this deal what is the reason why KD and the Golden State Warriors fell apart? He didn't want to deal with Draymond, and he didn't want to deal with being yelled at. He wanted to go out and be the guy. You have an all-time asshole, respectfully <laughs> and nicely, in Chris Paul that he's going to have to play uh, okay. with. And, man, none of this... I mean, KD plays as as long and as hard as anybody. and the, But Chris Paul... And maybe rightly so, maybe not rightly so, thinks he's earned this the right in this league to say stuff. You can do that when you're playing with the young Phoenix Suns that made the surprise run to the NBA Finals. When you're playing with a guy who's been him, who's been the guy, that's going to be very interesting to see what Chris Paul does here. You know what? This is the one time I'm just like, I don't see it. Mm. Paul's 37. Oh, you Katie's think- what, 34? 30, yeah. He's- you know, these guys like they know exactly what they have to do and they only have to spend so much time together. And like to me, I, I this is like Katie is one of those unique unicorns in the league that fuck chemistry. He doesn't even need it. Yeah. You throw Kevin Durant out there in any situation. He knows what to do. He knows exactly how to play. This offense is set for him. And, you know, Chris Paul, listen, like. He's driven by his own ego, too. Chris Paul needs Kevin Durant to win this ring. He knows it. Chris Paul's a very smart guy. You know what I mean? And he's a politician. Yeah. So I think at least for the remainder of this season, be fucking FFs. Trust me. (laughs) You think... Wait, wait, wait. This is an interesting conversation. I think we're going to be the first one to bring this up. If... KD goes there. They win this ring. They didn't get it done when it was Booker, Chris Paul. They get it done with Kevin Durant in the mix. Is this a Kevin Durant ring or is this a a Chris Paul ring? Because there's a very big distinction there. It's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, we got it's a KD ring. We got to let it play out, too. I mean, I mean, like, because this is where the KD narrative gets real funny. Yeah. You know, he has two finals MVPs. Yeah, right. (laughs) And apparently those aren't his rings. So this is all kind of like a perspective thing, too. You know what I mean? Like, like, why is it LeBron's ring and not Dwayne Wade's ring? Like, there's always (laughs) there's always something there. And uh, Kevin Durant might be one of those people who just like, 
needs to accept the fact that his narrative is going to play out in a different way when he's not a player anymore. But too much has happened and it's too murky. And, you know, what I would like to see personally, I'd like to see Devin Booker win finals MVP and put this whole thing to rest. Mm. That would be nice because he's that good too. I think that's one thing that's kind of being lost in this conversation is how good Devin Booker actually is. That guy's a maniac and he's one of the best scorers in the NBA and he's young and he's got that drive and determination. He's very handsome. Uh, I, I think I think the Suns are in a good spot, man. Yeah. Oh man, that that's a fascinating thing to look at. We will keep looking at that, man. If because Chris Paul had all this time to win the ring, and then he needed KD to get it done. That's a KD. Ring. Is this guy the Steve Cohen of basketball now, or is oh. that bomber? Is that bomber oh. already? Well, yeah. well, we'll see. We'll All see, right. but I'm let's, pretty sure. Let's run bomb. through a quick, uh, yeah. let's get off this. Let's run through a quick best and worst here. hundred percent. All right. I'm going to run through these deals for you. Uh, you give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, or any, I got a uh, list best and worst. I got mine ready to go. Okay. I got, I'm, I've got the list in front of me. I'm going to start with Gary Payton going back to the Warriors. Now the thing about this, they get Payton. It'll help this season for sure, but it could have re-signed him in the off season. Yeah. They could have kept their draft capital and, or, I mean, I'm sorry, they could have kept Wiseman for draft capital. And mm. that's where I, uh, I don't know. I kind of see this as sort of a weird, uh, lateral move for, for the Warriors. I think it does help them in the immediate term, but I think they made a couple shit decisions that got to this point. Yeah. Warriors are my worst list. Awesome. Uh, I got one that you love, and we're going to – a team that you, you thought really won the day, the L.A. Clippers. Uh, Reggie Jackson went to the Hornets. They got back your guy, Mason Plumley. Uh, your thoughts there? Plums. <laughs> no, I think Clippers, similar to the Lakers, were in that spot where, like, they couldn't make any kind of big swing. Yeah. You know, they lost all their shit in the Paul George trade. They don't have too many young assets and the only guy really people were salivating over at all was Terrence Mann. They were probably nuts to give that guy up at this point because really interesting player. So I think um, between keeping Terrence Mann and being able to piece together weird places for, for Plumlee, Eric Gordon, yeah. and Bones Highland, yeah. who, who, you know, like I know the, the, the story is, is still being written on Bones Highland. Apparently Denver couldn't wait to get him out of town for a number of reasons, but he has that heat check kind of Jordan Clarkson type stuff that could be there. Um, and Ty Lue might be the dude to be able to, to get him to settle down into a role that they actually need. And tell me the Clippers don't need a guy who can just fucking heat check off the bench for 15 minutes. They need it bad. Yeah. So for a team that was kind of middling around the middle, um, you know, and just really honestly needs bodies, needs shooting, needs you know, all that stuff. They added three interesting players who should mm. help them in this run. How about them sending Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies? I think Luke Kennard on the Grizzlies is an interesting ad. It is. It is. I mean, I was shocked, though, they gave up Danny Green already. It's like yeah. all we've been talking about all year is the fact that Memphis needs an adult in the room, <laughs> and they finally got their adult back, yeah. and, they, and they just yeah, tossed it back away. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know about that. But, um, yeah, no, they need another shooter, and that, that definitely makes them more dangerous. Uh, we got a little Lakers action here. Patrick Beverly uh, gets the big Barstool podcast. Barstool thinks they have this Los Angeles Lakers podcast. He's going to the Magic. Uh, Mo Bamba going to the Lakers. Lakers, interesting day. Yeah, same for, I. you know, I give the Lakers, they're on my best list as well. And that's because of the fact that they had so little to offer. You know, like really, like you're looking at the fact that they had, you know, no swings to make because they didn't have the assets to swing with. And the fact that we were making fun of their three to 10 rotation all year. And then they added four rotation players. Mm -hmm. You know, like all people who can help right away. Um, D'Lo, interesting fit. We'll see how it goes. Not so sure. I'm a little worried about D'Lo and LeBron's hands. It's (laughs) kind of a terrifying thing to me, and I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But, you know, you get Rui, you get Beasley, um, and you get these – and Vanderbilt, you know, like all all players you can – stick on a team. They know what they're doing. They know their roles and, and all of a sudden probably look a little better and more spry on the Lakers too. So I think again, considering their situation, they only gave up one of their first round picks, not both, which people were expecting. It's good. 
And some of these are actually movable assets in the offseason, too. So it gives the Lakers a little more flexibility moving forward as well. And they got Russell Westbrook out of town. He's, he's going to be the bought out by yeah. the Utah Jazz. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. And as you could see in LeBron's scoring record game, that relationship had gone to its maximum. Yeah. After LeBron made those Kyrie comments, Russ was like, fuck you. I'm proper <laughs> done. Yeah. And, you know, this is the one time. I, it's funny how a guy can try really hard and I'll wind up being an apologist for him. <laughs> uh, Westbrook. It's never been about effort. Yeah. You know, a guy fucking busted his ass this year. He did. He did. I'll give him that, you know? So, um, low key winners for me, teams that I really liked what they did. I, I liked what the Knicks did and I liked what Portland did. Uh, oh, I got Portland on my worst list. Oh really? Okay. Why? Well, I'm not sure what's happening. You know, I know they love Shaden Sharp. They wanted yeah. more minutes for him, but they just signed Peyton. And I feel like this was sort of one of those sort of half rebuilding on the fly sort of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess this is maybe the way you try to build around Lillard and Simons. But I didn't understand giving up what they gave up for what they gave up in the immediate. You know, like uh, if you're not going to do something that helps you a little bit now, I'm not sure what we really think Thibel's going to going to do anything over there. I mean, well, I think there's there's Thibel. I like that pickup. I like them getting Cam Reddish. I like Cam Reddish actually having like a opportunity, and uh, they get uh, lottery protected picks in 2023 that turns into four second round picks if if uh, if the Knicks are not in the top 15 this year. So I think there's a pretty good reason we haven't seen Cam Reddish very much. Why is that? Yeah, I don't know okay. if he's that good. I don't know if he's that good. You you know, this is interesting with like the RJ Barrett and like the Cam Reddish. Do you think their entire draft stock was because Zion was just crazy? I mean, maybe, <laughs> but this is one. I mean, that's a Knicks thing we got to yeah. talk. You know, like Knicks bring in Josh Hart. Barrett's already been losing closing minutes to Grimes, to other, to McBride. Yeah. Bibbs doesn't like him clearly, you know what I mean? And has to play him because of the contract and stuff. Like, this is an interesting wrinkle in the Knicks development, the fact yeah. that they got Josh Hart. That's something to really look out for. Mm. Can I give you my low key? Yes. I've seen this team on losers list after losers list, and I got to say, I don't agree. Okay. The Denver Nuggets. Okay. Right? They go out. People have been giving the Nuggets shit. I thought watching this team play, and you know I watch a lot of West Coast mm -hmm. basketball because that's when the TV is mine. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought their biggest weakness this year was their big man minutes while Jokic was off the floor, particularly. Mm. Now, Thomas Bryant proves he can pound, be useful for 15, 20 a night, and he can slip into the same role as Jokic could. He can shoot from the outside. He has a perimeter game, and he can move a little bit. They've been running DeAndre Jordan in that spot. That's not an NBA player anymore. That was that was someone they had to just get in because they needed those minutes filled. So I really think Denver went ahead and addressed their biggest weakness, which was that. And then I think got an elephant out of the room. I don't think I think the Bones experiment in Denver had just yeah. reached reached its peak, you know, for whatever reason. I don't know what's going on in that <laughs> locker room, but it's clearly been a thing for a while and he's been losing minutes. So they had to cut weight on somebody who is you know, potentially hurting the locker room. So for a team like this, I, I think that was a really, really nice supplemental deal to a team that's cruising. You don't want to throw anything different into the mix there. They got this great chemistry. They look great. I, th I thought it was a strong trade. Yeah. And real quick, because I know that you've got a, a time crunch going here now. Oh, a couple deals that I liked and one that made me very sad. Mike Mascala to the Celtics. I think Brad Stevens was watching the LeBron game and he was like, oh, that guy made a couple threes. We, yeah, yeah. Give yeah. me him with Time Lord. Yeah. And, you know, for as much as people were happy about Jay Crowder going to the Bucks, I don't understand this at all. So here's what happened here. Bucks get Jay Crowder. Fine. They send out five first round picks to the Nets. Okay. Makes sense. Then the Pacers get involved and Serge Ibaka, Jordan Noir, George Hill, and two more second round picks go out the window there. It, make this make sense to me. Why are the Pacers involved here? You could just let Serge Ibaka, Jordan Noir, and George Hill go for nothing. That like Jay Crowder to the Nets for five first round picks. I think everybody says yes there. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think, you know, Pacers want to get involved for salary. This is where the minutia gets involved that, you know, kind of confuses me. But I think it was just a toss around of different contracts to put themselves in a better salary space, pretty yeah. much. Let me give you one more best and worst before I leave, because I quite yeah. like it. I love Sadiq Bay to the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, I mean, especially in this middling midsection of the East. They really they could use a guy like that. DeAndre Hunter is so on and off offensively. You know, he's a a, a fairly good player, but it but really doesn't have that spark. And now you have these guys coming off the bench. Maybe it's a little Bogdanovich, you know, like they know he's going to leave and they need another player type of thing. But I think when you saw the Knicks, Heat, Cavs all mostly stay put and maybe not get that much better. And the Hawks added a guy who's really, I think, could jump them up a game or two in that middle of the pack thing. I thought that was a very smart deal without giving up much. Yeah. Here's another confusing worse for me, besides for Charlotte. We don't even have to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> Crying MJ to the max, bad moves. <laughs> I'm not sure what the Pistons were doing here because Bay, you know, the I, I, there was no one around that wouldn't give. If we had three first round picks floating for OG Ananobi, four first round picks floating for Mikhail Bridges. Pistons couldn't get one or two for Sadiq Bay. Mm. You know, like that seemed a little strange to me. And instead you bring in James Wiseman. Great. Pistons have the room and the time to give this guy room. They got Jalen Duran. Yeah. who's 19 and like kind of in a much better development yeah. position yeah. than Wiseman is now. They got Isaiah Stewart. They already made that mistake with Bagley and they already got that money on the <laughs> books. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure. I like this from a Pistons development standpoint, but I kind of feel like it was the wrong team for him to do this on. And it's going to hurt other people's development in the process. The only thing that I can think of is they're like, Wemby, come on in. We have a forward spot ready for you. That's it. That, that's the only thing I can think oh, of. Oh, he's a seven foot three forward. It's uh, going to be fun. All right. We got to hit on Let's this. Let's get out like, of here. Let's get liter out of here. Literally the la LeBron James passes Kareem. Is oh. he the GOAT? That's oh, is he the go? You're going to lay this on me. I, I, could, I could do another podcast about this. All um, right. Do you want to earmark it for? Yeah, let's time? let's go next time. All right. All right. You know, like we said, uh, LeBron passed Kareem for all-time leader in points. Uh, he's now fourth in assists, ninth in steals all-time, four championships. He won me over. I'm sorry. That oh, happened. Dennis and then AD had his sitting moment where he was like just allegedly pissed about losing to the Thunder, which people shot on the Thunder. Good team this year. Fun team to watch. Fun anyway. Team. Yeah. All right. Plenty of ways for you to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. Uh, we got the tune up HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. A lot of good stuff coming up there. We're throwing everything up there. Uh, get your takes in, in the comments section and Hey, don't miss us going live. You'll, you'll be notified as soon as we go live, so be sure to subscribe on there. Uh, if you want to follow the big man on Instagram, he is at Benny Horowitz. Uh, I'm at Denny Gallagher. Ben, you got anything else? Everybody love everybody. The show's ended. Go in peace. You've been sitting courtside with the tune-up. <laughs>